G'day and welcome to Perco's Podcast, a podcast all about strategy, leadership and soul care. We're here to help you obtain your personal, professional and spiritual goals without losing your soul. We hope that today's episode is refreshing and gives you a new perspective. Now here's your host, Jason Perkins. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 26, part one of Perco's Podcast. As always, I hope it is well with your soul today, wherever you are listening from around the world. Today's episode is definitely a highlight of the podcast for me. As a podcaster, there's always that one person or a handful of people that you wish you could record a conversation with that you would never say out loud because, quite honestly, you just think it probably will never happen. That is today's podcast guest for me. But before I get into that, Let me share with you what some of our listeners have been saying about the podcast. I want to give a shout out to one of our podcast listeners and a great leader, Benjamin Windle from the Gold Coast of Australia. Ben reached out to me as he was listening to a recent podcast concerning Generation Alpha. Check out episode 25. And he shared with me how helpful it was for him as a leader. I want to encourage you to check out Ben's work on leading millennials and Gen Z. Just Google Ben Windle and millennials and it'll pop up. It is outstanding. It's excellent. Just like Ben, I'd love to connect with you too. So hit me up on social media or you can email me and we could work out a time to connect. I'm a huge fan of FaceTime or Zoom and I'd love to spend some time with you. You can email me at hello at jasonperkoperkins.com. Or on Instagram or Facebook, it's simply Jason Perko Perkins. Today on the podcast is someone that I greatly admire, who has helped shape me and has really been a foundational part of the reason I started the podcast in the first place. My guest today is the soul care legend himself, Pete Scazzaro. I first came across Pete's work through his book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Since then, I've been through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Relationships content, I've been a part of some leadership cohorts with Pete, and ultimately, it has shaped much of my experience in this space of soul care. When I first came across his work, I was very unhealthy emotionally, and although I am still a novice in this space, God has used it to literally transform my life. Well, for those of you who are not as familiar with Pete Scazzaro, let me introduce you to him. Pete led New Life Fellowship for 26 years in Queens, New York, where he and his wife, Jerry, are still members. He also co-founded Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, which is a phenomenal program that I highly recommend. Emotionally Healthy Discipleship is a groundbreaking ministry that moves the church forward by slowing the church down in order to multiply deeply changed leaders and disciples. Pete hosts the top-ranked Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast, and is the author of a number of best-selling books, including The Emotionally Healthy Leader and Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Pete and his wife, Jerry, also developed The Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Course, Part 1 and 2, a powerful resource that moves people from a shallow to a deep relationship with Jesus. Without any further ado, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with my good friend, Pete Scazzaro. Pete, welcome to Perco's Podcast. So glad to have you, mate. How are things in Queens, New York today for you? Sunny, beautiful day here. We're going into summer. You're coming out of summer. 
That's right. Uh, we're, we're very excited that we're moving into summer here. And, and things as far as the pandemic and restrictions, all that kind of stuff, that's all starting to change. Uh, and open yeah. Up. yeah. New York is, uh, you know, we had a very bad time of it here, as you probably yeah. know. Uh, so people are very nervous because mm-hmm. we were really shut down for a very long time. Uh, but no, there's a lot of excitement in the air and uh, there's a sense of openness. People are still wearing masks for the most part, but okay. uh, now there's a sense of we have turned a corner. So there's yeah. a lot of excitement. As long as the Indian uh, variant doesn't uh, yeah. <laughs> storm the US. But yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's a, real, there's a real sense where, in fact, there's an article just yesterday saying, it looks like it's permanently turned the corner here in the U.S. Yeah. So that's good. That's great. Thank you. We, we didn't follow your role model in Australia. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> well, we also, we also, Pete, have a unique moat around our country, which is very helpful, very helpful. So yeah. we can bring up the drawbridge and it makes people stay out. So, <laughs> hey, mate, I would love to dive into some questions about your brand new book, EHD, yeah. Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. But before we get to that, we have a fun, we call it 60 Seconds with Perko, where I just ask you a list of 10 either or questions sure. to get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to do this in rapid fire format. You just tell me first thing that comes to your mind, coffee or tea? Tea. Okay. Apple or PC? Apple. Beaches or mountains? Beaches. Dogs or cats? Cats. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Call or text? Text. Podcast or music? Music. Oh, man, you're killing us. This is like the the thing that we're doing, and he's he's going with music. It's all good. Passenger or driver? Driver, but I'd rather be the passenger. Okay. Saver or spender? Saver. Saver. Is Jerry a spender? You're allowed to say this on the pod. No, no not. you're both. Okay. Both savers. Right, All right. And, and then the most important, the most critical question when it comes to the toilet paper roll, are you an over or an under guy? Uh, over. Over. Good. You just relieved me of any time I come to visit your house. I won't have to change it. So that's so good, mate. I am so thankful that you've carved out some time to be on the podcast. Um, and I would love just to start with if, if people are listening to the podcast, they're not as familiar with your story. Um, yeah. Would you just share a little bit of your backstory, maybe even a bit of your upbringing, family of origin stuff, how you began following Jesus, your ministry background, yeah. and per- perhaps just connect that, connect that to your own emotionally healthy spirituality story. Because I know a lot of those things are connected to your journey. I'd love for people to hear that. Okay, I'll try to do that in- Five, yeah, seven dude, minutes. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, I come from an Italian-American New York family. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so very strong ethnicity. I know you and uh, came to Christ at 19 in the university, yeah. the dramatic conversion, uh, got involved with the parachurch ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship uh, early on, you know, good trained in all the classic stuff in discipleship. Uh, became a staff worker with them, working on university campuses, doing mostly evangelism, open air evangelism, uh, but really trying to plant university Christian fellowships where there wasn't one. Okay. Uh, and I really saw myself primarily as an evangelist. Uh, and then uh, taught high school English for one year. Uh, prior to that, actually, as soon as I graduated university, but then I, then 
finished in the varsity for a few years, went to seminary uh, and uh, graduated there. And then God led us to learn, learn Spanish in Costa Rica for a year and then moved back to New York City and planted a church. Okay. So at that point, planted this church in the inner city of New York, multiracial environment, working class, Queens. Uh, it was really a kamikaze church plant. There really weren't many people with us. And I was on fire. I had a vision, I had, I had a revelation to start this church. And um, it grew quite rapidly. But then we hit a wall about year six or seven. Okay. And that's when my, the own gap, my own gap, the shallowness of my own discipleship all became very evident. And in this wall, uh, some of you may know our story, my wife quit the church because she knew my leadership was lacking uh, <laughs> and she didn't want to participate in the dysfunction of her husband. She didn't leave the marriage, but she was leaving the church. Yeah. That got my full attention, got us in therapy. And in this moment, in really, it was, um, again, it was a culmination of uh, many, many things climaxed and God just all I can say is God's grace reached out from heaven and uh, met us in a therapist's office. Uh, really myself, it's a long story there. You know, she, she had a big fight in the middle of this four or five day intensive therapy for us as a couple. Wow. Uh, and um, I realized that I was an emotional infant leading a church and I was kidding myself. And our church is, you know, quite charismatic and I had the best theological training in the in our country at least. And yet here I was, you know, my own marriage was going so poorly. I was exhausted, stressed out. We had one of our churches, we planted a number of churches, one had split. I just, it was just a mess. And I realized, wow, I could be, I could be another casualty in this. And that's when the first time I realized that uh, emotional health and spiritual maturity can't be separated. And so at that point I went on a huge biblical journey of, you know, how did this thing get separated? And what does it look like to actually get after it in our discipleship? So we continued our church that we planted, and uh, but we began to integrate what we call emotionally healthy discipleship today, and uh, and really just pioneered internally uh, how how to do it. How do you bring this into your discipleship? We ended up getting into a, a, a monastic spirituality, kind of a slow down spirituality of silence and stillness along the way, and. So over a period, I said we spent the first seven years were pure research and development out of our local church. Never wrote a word, and then 2003, I, I wrote our first book, "Emotionally Healthy Church." It was called, and it, it was really kind of meant to, to give a theology for pastors about why you need to include emotional health in your leadership and discipleship. Yeah. And at the time, the publisher didn't want to publish it because it said the, you put emotional health in front of a work in front of in a book no man no male pastor is going to read it in the world but i said no you have to it has to be in the title because it has to do with our anthropology understanding of what it means to be made in god's image and for a variety of reasons going way back to augustine we've neglected that in our discipleship we've been blind to some big pieces of scripture uh, and it's killing us yeah. so thus we have constant scandals in the church and fall so that and that's when this whole, and I didn't know, I, I, I knew that we were a mess in Queens, New York. I didn't know that all the other churches in New York were a mess. And actually all the other churches in the world were a mess. Yes, uh, and I yes. found that our experience was everybody's experience yeah. uh, in some of the stress markers. So we, we have spent really the last 25 and a half years, you know, pioneering what does it mean to do a discipleship that deeply changes people? And we're yeah. trying to work that out out of our local church and now out with churches around the world. And um, so it's been a wonderful journey, but really our, we, I get into this through pain, mm-hmm. through failure, 
through getting stuck. And I stand here on this podcast by the grace of God. I can say to you, God saved our lives, mm. uh, not just saved our lives, but we've had the best 25 plus years of our lives. I mean, it's yeah. made it a wonderful journey. Wouldn't trade it for anything. And, and uh, so it's been a great joy to be a pastor, a leader, a husband, yeah. a father, all that, and a human yeah. being. Yeah. So Pete, you talk about this, this separation along the way, this gap between emotional and, and, and our spirituality and the health between those two things. You've identified in your book what you refer to as four fundamental failures of traditional discipleship. And I, yeah. my own personal journey, Pete, has been that I've been completely entirely focused up until four or five years ago when I came across these things. I was completely focused on what I was doing for Jesus and not much focus on being with Jesus. And that has been transformational for me. Would you unpack this, this, what you call failure number two, we emphasize doing for God over being with God and why that's such a foundational failure within our traditional discipleship. Again, you have to understand a bit of church history for how we got here Um, and Western culture. The two things together. So you understand that that being and doing this balance of the two, Mary, Martha, uh, has been an issue in the church from the first century when Luke wrote the story of Mary and Martha and Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And but what happened? So we've always had this. We'll call it the the Elijah, John the Baptist, Moses kind of tradition of the desert and activity, you know, doing and being. And then you had Jesus in the desert and. Then you had the, you know, the, the, the um, desert fathers and the monastics all through history. But when the Reformation came in 1500s, again, the church split over, you know, a lot of different reasons, bad doctrine, etc. The Reformation was a, was a good thing, but all the monasteries got shut down. It was a reaction of, you know, hey, we don't need these people just navel gazing and, yeah. and doctrines off and all other kinds of things. So like places like England, the UK, they just shut down all the monasteries immediately. And so, and they had to do it in Europe because it was political and state stuff going on. They had to have control and it was a mess. And so, you know, evangelicalism as it over the centuries has developed, is, it was, you know, our gift is mission. Our gift is mobilizing people for the mm-hmm. sake of the gospel. It's reaching people for Christ. Those are really good things, but we're not very good at, you know, slowing down and silence yeah. and stillness. Uh, and so it, but then you have on top of that, you have Western culture, which has been built on the Protestant, you know, work ethic is about what do you do? We're all, we value people based on their performance, what they, you know, and, and doing is what's got us to be as wealthy as we are in the West, et cetera. So between history of church history, and then you got, you know, Western culture and the enlightenment and industrialization and just capitalism. And it, there's such a doing focus where we're just, it's. So it's like you were formed that way. I was formed yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, and so this it sounds so far in this idea of be still or slowing down. It just it's a it's a silence, it's just a very different culture than Western, you know, civilization built mm-hmm. on entrepreneurship and capitalism. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's why we overemphasize doing it. I'm just like you. I, you know, I, the, the tension of doing and being is one I carry every day, like you do. It's like, how am I doing today in terms of my being? Am I centered? Am I anchored in Jesus? Am I abiding in Him? 
out of which I'm doing this podcast, right? Out of which yes. I'm, you know, giving this talk or sermon. It's a constant tension on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, yearly yeah. basis. Now, it's yeah. the great core of leadership challenge, I think, for all of us. Yeah. So, Pete, you're referring to this how am I doing concept and reflecting on your being versus your doing and the balance between those things. My dashboard of success has been completely replaced since engaging in emotionally healthy discipleship courses and so on. For most of my ministry years, and not just ministry years, but even business years, everything on the dashboard needed to be up and to the right. Yes. And that that was how I was trained, but not just trained, it's what was celebrated, both yeah. in the church world and in the business world. Nobody celebrates flatlining or declining. Nobody celebrates, in your to put it in your words, no one celebrates navel-gazing. You know, I've never been to a church leadership conference when anyone said, hey, let's get Bob up because he spent 20 minutes in silence today. And that's a powerful thing to do. That's yeah. never done. So talk to us, Pete, about what's what is a healthy dashboard of success when you are filtering your day and you're reviewing your day of being yeah. and doing. What does that look like as a leader? And and how do you celebrate that? So that it's, you know, so it's perpetuated, not, not just personally, but even in teams and leadership in a church. Well, again, I think defining success is going to have some general categories, but then it's got to be specific to your situation and your calling. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, success for me, number one is uh, that I, the definition of success is important to, to clarify uh, it's becoming a person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his mm-hmm. way and in his timetable. So that's very important because am I becoming the person God's calling to become? The call is to be with Jesus, right? And so he's transforming us. So am I in that, am I letting him change me? And then secondly is what's he asking me to do? He is asking us to do something. We are workers for him. And am I doing it his way and in his timetable? So mm-hmm. in the past, I was like, you know, I'm planning a church. We're planning a number of churches and we're going to grow as fast as possible. Well, that's not really biblical. Uh, what's biblical is you grow it the pace God wants you to grow it in. Uh, and so, again, your ministry can be uh, growing numerically and you're failing. Mm-hmm. It can be declining numerically and you're actually succeeding. So things I look at for myself, am I succeeding, are things like, number one, um, am I maturing as a follower of Jesus? Uh, am I living, um, you know, am I, am I abiding in Jesus? Am I yeah. relaxing in Jesus? What are the terms I like to use? My, my, my surrendering, my surrender to Jesus. Um, and do I have the space in my days to lead out of the overflow of Jesus and me. So that's not, that's not, that's number one for me. Secondly is uh, I'm leading out of my marriage so that my, because you know, I am married. That's my second vocation after Jesus that Jerry is experiencing. You know, we're, we're experiencing oneness as a couple and um, she's, ex- she's feeling loved yeah. experiencing because I love her, but of course, but she's actually feeling it. Um, have an experience of love and that we're growing in our love for each other. So I'm not just growing in love for God, I'm growing in love for her. Um, and so, cause I, I see that my leadership's flowing out of the overflow of our marriage. So even though Jerry's not on this podcast, um, she's in me and I'm in her mm-hmm. married for seven years. So that, that vow I made 
uh, informs everything I do. And so I have to, I, I, every decision I make is coming out of that vow. And thirdly um, is, you know, right now I, I lead, I'm not leading a local church. I, I led our local church 26 years, but now I lead this ministry called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And so third is that, um, you know, our team, uh, our core team, uh, we are, uh, we're living what we're preaching. Yeah. We're growing. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're experiencing the very thing we're bringing to the world. And so that, that just takes time and energy so that there's fruit here. Yes. In, um, all right, let me, as somebody say, my wife and I have four children, two of whom are married, got a few grandchildren now. So like that's that, that out of the sacrament in the sense of our marriage has flown, has come fruit. And that's part of, you know, our family is, uh, you know, part of our commitment that flows out of our marriage. The thirdly is, is our team. And then fourthly is that we're abiding in Jesus regarding our, our, what we do for EH discipleship, our commitments. So every door that's open and we have many, many open doors. It doesn't mean it's God's door for us to walk through. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're, we're discerning. Now we have a mission statement that, that God's given us as a parachurch organization, yeah. which is to, you know, multiply, uh, to transform church culture through multiplying deeply changed leaders and disciples. And so it's faithfully executing that mission. Yeah. Um, so we have some goals. I said, we, we call our goals, priorities and we even have some numbers to some of the goals but they're generally low they're directions we feel like god's leading us into okay um and it's always around the framework that we, we each have a we have a rule of life and how we're functioning rhythms that uh the way we discern it first of all we have only limited time because of our own our relationship with jesus our, our spouses our families uh, the quality that we're committed to in our own integrity of our relationships and so we have these, you know, five, six priorities for the year. Um, and we say a lot of no's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can be focused on what's God asking us to do. And he's got other people to do it. Now, again, it's respecting the limits of our, like our, I think I'd say myself, my own raw material. Uh, in other words, I, you know, I, I, we don't have a, we have one full-time person besides Jerry and I, and uh, she runs the organization. She's about, we have about eight or nine contract employ, employees under her. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, it's going to, we're looking at post because zero generation next, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, the thing is growing, um, but we're looking at succession. What's it going to look like uh, for the next generation? Uh, so our, my focus is writing. Yeah. Developing content and mentoring. Okay. And basically giving my life away before I die. Yeah. Uh, and so those are the most important things I do develop materials, write, yeah. um, mentor, and give this away, steward it well to give it away. Yeah. So, you know, these kind of things help me measure success. Um, we have a board, uh, but I'd say the most important thing we do is discern what is God asking us to do. Yeah. And not walking down roads that even though they're great opportunities, they're just not the ones we're supposed to walk through. Yeah. Yeah. So Pete, you've touched on this thing of limits, these God-given limits in the, in your answer to the question about the dashboard. I, like many leaders have lived and led 
thinking I'm limitless. (laughs) Most of us, my story is that it, it led to some sort of a crisis in our lives that helps us to discover these God-given limits. Yeah. What would you suggest for a leader listening to this podcast are some practical ways to find those God-given limits and begin living within them? And you, you talked about you're now devoting yourself to writing, mentoring, giving your life away, and that helps to guide yeah. the decisions you make and know whether is this of the Lord, or is this just another opportunity? Yeah. What's some practical things you would suggest to other leaders to, to begin discovering those God-given limits for themselves? Before I give a practical thing, let me just give yeah. you one, one. I want to give your listeners one, what's the word, warning, one. Uh, this isn't just like good for your soul, because it is, but it is good for your soul, of course, embrace limits. It's actually a critical issue of rebellion against God. Okay. And I just want you to think with me of the Garden of Eden when yeah. God sets a limit in the garden. Uh, they can eat from any tree, but not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's right in, God puts it right in the middle of the garden. Mm-hmm. And they violate that limit. They cross the limit and they touch, they eat from that tree and all hell breaks loose. They're going to fall and we're still bearing the consequences. Uh, they're in the enemy's, enemy's territory at that point. Yeah. Well, God puts limits around each of us and we're to trust him with it. But when you cross God's limits, you are in enemy territory. It's like chaos, hell breaks loose. So this is not a, a little issue. This is a really big issue yeah. uh, of our relationship with God, the ability to say, to recognize this God saying, do not go down this road. Yeah. Um, and so it's more serious, Pete, than just, hey, we want to make sure that you have a healthy lifestyle and, and a good rhythm of sustainability. Absolutely. This is about surrendering. Yes. to the place that God has called you to be and not stepping over that line because chaos is on the other side. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I look at certain things. So for me, um, I, I gave a whole list in the book that you can look at, you know, temperament, personality, et cetera, your family, married or single, your children, uh, you know, your resources, all that stuff. But I, I look at how did God make you uniquely? Yeah. In other words, you, you, were, you were given a nature by God. And if you're an engineer building a, uh, a building, you, you can distinguish wood, steel, and stone. They're different materials. You work with the materials. But if you treat steel like it's wood, it's going to be a disaster because there's different material. Well, God has made you uniquely with certain raw material, that, yeah. that how you function, how you're built. And, and so I, it's important to know yourself and how God's made you so you can respect the raw material that you are. So yes. for example, um, you know, you're, you know, I've been exposed to some really excellent mega churches, you know, large ministries, folks who have tremendous capacity organizationally. Um, and I had to recognize that God didn't make me like that. I don't have the raw material to like be a CEO of an IBM, to be a pastor of a 20,000 member church. I had one pastor friend of a mega church. He would be in meetings from 9 a.m. to like, you know, eight o'clock at night. And wow. he'd be in one strategic meeting after another. And uh, I was in awe, like, oh my gosh, like I go, I can go through a strategic meeting for like two, three hours. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm like, that's it. I need a lot of time alone. I'm more, yeah. I'm more, I'm, I'm more of an artist. Um, and I can do the creative thing. We bought, you know, bought buildings and all that. 
but it's not my nature uh, to be that kind of a leader. And so I have to, so whenever I let our church, I had to respect how God uniquely made me. The church then had to flow out of that. Yeah. Uh, and same thing now with EH discipleship and, uh, and then the kind of wife I have uh, and the limit of, you know, we're in New York city. So, and so living in a city mm-hmm. uh, and Jerry, you know, she's not a city person. It's always been a challenge for her, Yeah. yeah. Uh, but God's given her grace to be here. She's felt God let us here. Uh, but I always respect the fact of, you know, it's been, a, it's been, you know, for her quite a sacrifice to be here. Yes. So but we hold these things before God and she's, you know, she's here. It's been wonderful, but it's important to do a wrestling. What are the limits God's placed before you? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to, to respect the ones that he's saying, this is my gift to you. It's like David yeah. wanted to build the temple and he had all, he had, he had the goodwill. He had the wealth, he had the power and God said, no. Your son's going to do it. Yeah. And he, he said, okay. He just surrendered. And that, that yeah. that's the kind of posture I'm talking about that. Yeah. Like maybe your church, maybe your ministry is not meant to be, you know, 5,000 people. Maybe it's supposed to be like a hundred people. And you're to raise up some folks who will have a church of this kind yeah. of broad ministry around the world. But the point is what's a person can receive only what's given them from heaven. And you want to think through and wrestle with what are your limits? I, I was with yeah. someone who, you have a special needs, you have a special needs child. It's a limit. It's a yeah. gift. That child is a gift, not an obstacle to God's yeah. plan. You want to integrate those limits into your life. People who don't integrate limits become very cranky old people. <laughs> because they, they, because it comes a day when you you're, you can't drive anymore. Yeah. Well, your, your adult children have to hide the keys from you. Yeah. And you're always angry because now you can't do what you used to do. And But you haven't practiced integrating limits along life as life goes yeah. on. Yeah. So that we end up, we end up very limited at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And before and face to face. So it's a very big spiritual issue. Yeah. Uh, uh, very important spiritual practice to embrace, to break our self-will, you know, before God. Yeah. Well, friends, we are going to pause the first part of this conversation with Pete right there and pick up in part two, right where we left off. I just think this is such a powerful conversation when it comes to reaching your goals without losing your soul. I really loved what Pete talked about as we were discussing the topic of limits and how he said this is more than just a soul care issue. This is more than just making sure you don't burn yourself out. He said that when we step across the line of those God-given limits, we're entering into enemy territory. We're, in a sense, we're exposing ourselves and we're outside the protection that God has designed for our lives and leadership. And I just think that's such a powerful thought to be thinking of. And I hope you think on that this week in your own context, in your own limits, that you would stay within the limits that God has given you and trust Him with those. I also want to let you know that next week we dive into a bunch of other topics, one of which is how we as leaders can embrace grief and loss. The reality is in leadership and in life, there are a series of losses that we experience. And if we don't learn how to deal with those losses, we actually bury them alive and they come back in the future and and really can mess with our life and leadership. So I want you to join me for part two of the conversation when we release it next week. I know that you'll enjoy it and I know that will help you to reach your goals without losing your soul. 
Before I go, I want to make sure you don't miss any conversations like this one. So if you're brand new to the podcast, maybe this is your first time tuning in, I want to invite you to head over to my website. It's jasonperkoperkins.com and you can sign up for the weekly email that we send out to notify you of when these podcasts are released and also send out resources to help you reach your goals without losing your souls. As always, I'd love to hear from you if you're finding these conversations helpful in feeding your soul lately, because that's what this podcast is all about. It's super simple. We just want to help leaders reach their goals without losing their soul. And we love hearing from people who listen to the podcast. So be sure to connect with us online through our website or on my social media platforms. The handles there on social media are Jason Perko Perkins, or you can send me an email. It's hello at jasonperkoperkins.com. If you are finding these podcasts helpful, I bet you know somebody that would find it helpful as well. And I'd love it if you would share these conversations with those people. You can do that by simply just sharing online with them, or you can leave us a rating and a review on your preferred podcast platform. That's a great way to get the word out about these conversations. Our dream here at Perko's Podcast is super simple. We want to see a generation of leaders reach their goals and at the same time hear them say, it is well with my soul. Thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I look forward to connecting with you online this week, and I can't wait to share part two of this conversation with Pete Scazzaro with you next week. Until then, cheers. You've been listening to Perko's podcast. Join us next time for more insights on strategy, leadership, and soul care to help you reach your personal, professional, and spiritual goals while at the same time not losing your soul. In the meantime, make sure to connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.